This is News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast. A very good afternoon to you live from Kevin's kitchen. And by live, I mean recorded. He is... Kevin Doherty. This is his kitchen. I am Oshin Langan. You can get him on... KevDoc5. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. Coming up on Kev's Kitchen this week, we're going to sit down and have a long chat with Dundalk's Robbie Benson. He's going to talk to us about the season so far, his life after football and working with Stephen Kenny. He's a very, very interesting man a very well-educated man as well having come through ucd yeah and i think he's i think he was one of those 600 points in his leaving jobs as well so he obviously brought it into ucd and he's not the fourth he won't be the last that's come through ucd to get into the league but obviously yeah the college side of it and, and his degrees and masters and everything is looked after there as well and as you said he's a very intelligent fella and you can it actually translate onto the pitch as well yeah he is an intelligent footballer isn't he yeah that's what i mean like he and, and it tends to be the way with a lot of the ucd lads like Normally, if you if you if you bit about you upstairs, like you know, and you're half decent footballer, you might be able to make better decisions and stuff as well. So you can definitely see it in, in in his game. What is an intelligent footballer? You just said they're good decision makers, but tell us exactly what you mean by that, both from the manager inside you and the player inside you. Well, I I think an intelligent footballer is you talk about players picking the right pass at the right time or making the right run or not making run like it is we set it set it right decision making and being able to make those uh, split decisions uh, very quickly and look I'm, I'm sure there's there's plenty of really probably world class footballers that don't have too much going on upstairs but there's plenty of footballers in general like that but no I think an intelligent footballer is as I said someone that can make the decisions at the right times and the right decisions at the right times yeah, he's just one of these high achievers who could pretty much do anything he wanted to uh, the kind of guy you hated in school. Yeah, and I hated playing against him as well when I was manager because he was always, it was with UCD and then with Dundalk, he always did very well against him. So I hold uh, no ill will against him because he's a good lad and I said he's a very good player. Kevin, unlike you to let stuff go. Right, we're also going to talk about Ireland against Serbia and Ireland against Georgia. We're in a precarious position. We're not going to talk so much about the position we're in though. We're going to talk about why we couldn't find a through ball, why we couldn't get a kind of killer ball against Serbia, even when they went down to 10 men. The Georgia game, we could nearly write that off because teams can perform badly. You know, that can happen. It was just one of those, I think, one-off situations where we just lumped the ball around. Okay, we do that too often, but it seemed to be taken to a ridiculous level out there. Yeah, look, played very, very poorly over there. and It was a bad performance, and, and, and as you say, you, you can sometimes write it off, but it, I, I think it's actually been coming the last few games. It, those... Uh, Talk about decision making earlier on, like yeah. wrong decisions all over the over the park from the from like when we score, Duffy scores very early, and then the natural inclination of this team in particular is to is to sit back and yeah. not get look look again. Georgia, I think we're 112th in the world. Like and, and I know world rankings and all can be misleading at, at times, but, but like there's no way that they should have been able to play the way they did against us. Like they're they look like a decent side and, and again, as I said, world rankings might not mean anything, but like Ireland should have been much, much better and mm-hmm. much more in their face. And then on the other side of it, the actual football, keeping the ball. Like. Yeah. And and look, and we'll go on to the Serbia match in, in, in a, a minute and probably the, the big difference on that go I know and it probably sounds like, oh yeah, League of Ireland is Wesley. Like I, I think if I don't know hundred percent the the injury situation, but if he was able to start last night, you would think he probably would have been able to play some part out in Georgia and yeah. To be fair, he did look like he kind of faded halfway through the second half last night. And maybe he could have popped up and given a killer pass because, again, that's what we were missing. And he is one of these players, he kind of always looks a bit jaded on the pitch. Yeah, and, and he did a lot of work in the first half and having, been, having not played for a couple of weeks, 
he probably would get a bit tired, but he still would still have that little bit of quality. And as, he, yeah. as you say, now I know Darren Murphy came on from and caused a, a fair bit of uh, trouble, and it was actually him that ended up getting them, not getting the man sent off, but you know what I mean. But when we had that extra man, like if, if there was anybody on the pitch that you wanted to be to be able to get on the ball and, and pick those passes and not be every time you get the ball shooting from 30 yards and banging balls over the bar and shooting with your your bad foot when it could be like a little through pass, like Wesley was definitely the one. Yeah, we better be careful talking about the Ireland game because I saw Keith Fahey tweeting during the week about how dare someone talk about a level they've never played at. If that was the case, then maybe fans shouldn't go. I get what he means, you know, on TV. He's not saying fans shouldn't have an opinion, but it doesn't mean that you can't see it for what it is. Like, I mean, the most basic football brain can see what's wrong with this Ireland team at the moment. I'm going to use the term, but I'm I'm going to use it in a different way. We don't have the players. And what I mean by that is, is the players aren't using the ball. So in that sense, we don't have the players. But surely, 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 someone could have played a final ball when Serbia were down to 10 men. It's not rocket science if you're a professional footballer. And we're going to hear from Martin O'Neill in a moment talking about why they couldn't do that. But I just can't understand how even one final ball wasn't played through. We got unlucky with Daryl Murphy. He should have had a penalty. He was held from across. He was going through on goal. He got taken down. The man got sent off. That could have ended up in a goal. But even when we got the ball out wide and skipped past the first man, we couldn't beat the second or couldn't get a decent ball in. Just even Robbie Brady who probably brought a, lot of, brought a lot of pressure on himself by that delivery he gave a couple of weeks ago for uh, Burnley. He couldn't even find it, the killer pass. It was just really, really frustrating. And I can't figure it out, Kev. Am I being harsh to say that you can say we don't have the players, but surely someone can play a killer ball? Yeah, no, definitely. Like You can't say we don't have the players because you just you mentioned one right there. Like You see Robbie Brady doing it all the time, like playing those passes and... You talk, and I know he didn't play in the Serbia game, but it was the same in, in the Georgia game. Harry Arthur like plays for Bournemouth, and, yeah. and and it looks like from from looking from the outside in, it looks like they're being asked to play a different game than they play yeah. week in week out, and and maybe not get on the ball and get it up to the big man. And look, going back to times of Jack Charlton, even like it was effective getting it up there and putting pressure on and winning the ball back high up the pitch and stuff. And but like we we definitely have the player. There's no way like and and yeah. players get a lot of sticky lads. Our midfielders got a lot of sticks sometimes not got not getting it, but they, they can definitely do it because they, they would be playing at the level yeah. they're playing at if they couldn't. I mean, there's lads, we talk, yeah. we're primarily talking about the, the League of Ireland, but like there's lads I saw, yeah. was watching Soccer Republic last night, now he's Northern Irish, but Bob Paddy McCord put through um, down in Limerick for Finn Hart. Yeah. Like, perfect passing. There's lads doing it in, at much lower levels than international level, and all those players can play those passes, there's no doubt about it. Why they're not yeah. doing it, I don't know. Maybe the instructions are, are a bit different. That they have to get it up there and whatever, and but there's definitely no excuse to say we don't have the players to do it because we certainly do. David Myler played well. He did make a difference, and I don't want to bash Glenn Whelan here because I think when Ireland played badly, yeah. he gets the blame because people look at him and they say, "Oh, he's not creative, and he doesn't play the right ball, and he, you know, he doesn't have the engine." I just think he's got so much ground and space to cover and so much work to do that when Ireland don't have the ball, he specifically is going to be exposed. And I always feel that maybe he's harshly picked on. Now, I think David Myler was the right option for Georgia on Saturday night. He's probably got a bit more of an engine. And he showed last night that it can be very simple football. Go in, win the ball, distribute. Give it to quote Roy Keane, pass it to your mates. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it doesn't have to be a, a brilliant diagonal pass or a 30-yard ping. And like a five-yard pass... Like you saw it last night, in the first half last night, 
against Serbia. Like they were doing those little ones, and again, I keep going back. Usually Wesley getting it and little round the corner and getting the next one and, and linking up play. And and he said, there's no way. Like I know it's been said. I've seen it a lot said today. The Northern Ireland have much better players than us. I don't think they do, and they're doing it. Like they're 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 doing it at the right time as well because they were dominated possession wise against the Czech Republic, but still got the result. Yeah, but they're they're going out like, and they're again this is a real John Giles thing to say, but they're taking the game on its merits and they're and they're playing. The, the, I know, yeah, but they're they're, they're play, the particular opposition they're playing against. They have a game plan. They can switch game plans. That's another thing we don't seem to be able to do very well. Northern Ireland seem to be able to do it at will, different games, and yet they've kept seven clean sheets in their group and yeah. they, they beat the Czech Republic handy two 0 last night or on, on Monday night. Like and. This all goes back to the whole and and Martin O'Neill sort of set us all out by by saying before the Serbia game that they were technically much better than us and they have and they've had it and they've managed and they've they've players playing at the very top level but as a group of players I would have thought that we'd have been able to take them on a, a, a bit more than we did. Okay, let's hear from Martin O'Neill. After the game, it was put to him kind of a couple of times that we couldn't find. A- killer ball and when it came to my turn to ask a question he'd already answered a question from Paul Lennon of the star about this and he said well even during our best years we struggled to create goals maybe creatively we struggled um I get what he means but I think that was more the style than the players at that particular time so I tried to press him on it again the sound by the way from this might not be overly fantastic because you have to keep in mind it wasn't Kevin's kitchen so it wasn't a professional environment uh, but the, the PA system was a little bit loud and um, at these things you don't stand beside the manager and just hold a microphone up you actually are sitting back away from him and you get handed a mic and you ask him a question and he answers it and he's speaking into a mic as well anyway keep that in mind I tried to ask him about why we just weren't clinical in Serbian and is there any reason for that? One of the main, one of the distinguishing features about about really really top class sides is the ability to pick a a pass out under pressure b to 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 deal with it and tonight in the last seven or eight minutes i know that we were going for it but we you know you you have to play with your head you have to you have to and uh, for instance uh, james whom i love he had a right foot shot at the edge of the box you know um Conor Hurens, who's essentially left-footed, had a left-foot shot, but also had a right-footed shot. You've got to keep that ball alive. This is really, really important. Um, Shane Long's played a uh, played a ball in the, uh, about seven or eight minutes to go. He's played it to thinking somebody's there, but it's just nothing. These are very, very, very important moments. And that distinguishes the really great sides, the, the sides who are able to deal, deal with those situations or... We need a wee bit of width again just to try and create something. We put the ball in the penalty box. Um, as you've just said, excuse me, that um, although I have not seen it back, but the players are absolutely adamant, as Philip said, that, um, that we should have had a penalty kick. Those sort of things change if they do. But I, I take your point entirely. This is very important to be able to play um, under that sort of pressure and, and choose, the, choose the right pass, the right moment, or the right delivery. News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast. Martin O'Neill there speaking after the 1-0 defeat to Serbia. He either couldn't get into it or didn't want to get into it, Kevin. And you heard him there. I'm, I'm kind of not sure what he... Maybe it's harsh to say he rambled, but he didn't really give an answer, did he? But do you think as a manager he knows exactly what went wrong? Do you think he just thought, OK, maybe I don't have the players or maybe 
they just didn't deliver, but he didn't want to throw them under a bus. I think I, you just have to hit the nail on the head there. I, I think he wa- I think in his mind he was blaming the players for those decisions making again, going back to decision making and those taking shots and yeah. and pa- like Shane Long passing the ball to the linesman basically. Oh, but he didn't he didn't want to say yeah. it. And so in some ways maybe in his own head he was trying to protect them, but I mean he was more or less saying that the players were a, it was it was well, players were at fault really, like, you know, whether they didn't stick to instructions or whatever. They, I thought that he, just when you say thrown on the bus, I think he stopped short of that. But I think it was definitely in his head he was disappointed with. Yeah. Now and he would be because like yeah. they did make some really really bad decisions. But I was genuinely curious when I asked him the question because he said basically he said even with the great teams in the past we struggled. So I was curious to know like was it a Serbia thing? Did they put pressure on us? As, you know they had they have a really good bunch of players and I actually looked at their starting eleven last night and was like I actually forgot how good. And how strong and how much depth they have. So I thought maybe it was something to do with that. Maybe it was the pressure and the fear. And no doubt you've seen that as a manager. Guys go out there and they're they're nearly nearly afraid, and it just it delays them by a second playing a ball or a split second. I I was just very curious. Yeah, and and, and it's funny when you do say, and you're right when you do look at their team from one to eleven, and, and some of the clubs that the, the players are, are playing. And even Carter scored the goal last night. Mm. Was there at City for a year before he went to Italy, and. Uh, I just don't think that it would have helped um, the players for the manager to come out and say how much better than yeah. us that they are. I, I, I don't think, like, you'd think, they've, they've beaten better teams than, than Serbia in Lansdowne yeah. Road over the last over the last couple of years. They beat the world champions there a couple of years ago. Ah, yeah, but with a long ball over the top, long runs onto it goal, and then after that, Germany missed chances that normally they'd never miss. Yeah, and they beat them 1-0. Yeah. It's like, so, so what? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's I like, know. Yeah. Great result, but yeah, yeah. it they wasn't like it was a structured goal. Right? Yeah. No, they didn't pass them to death or anything. But then again, if, the way, if they're going to play like that, we're never going to. And we, ha- we haven't historically played like that. There's been occasions when we've had to maybe change our, our, our style. And I know, going back a long way, you think in Paris and stuff, when, when the player, players just more or less took it upon themselves to go and play, mm. I don't think that's going to happen here. But I, I definitely think that, again, it was proven in the first half last night, like we, mm. we, we can pass the ball as well as, as the other stuff. And in the second half, we brought Daryl Murphy on, we were, we were going more direct, did get in. So like this, there's not one correct way to play football. Everyone would like to play like Barcelona, but... Not everyone's gonna do that. Like you can, I think. I think at times you can play to your strength, which might be going a bit longer, or you can play to what might be another strength that the players are brave enough to get on the ball. Because I've mentioned it already, we have good Premier League players that can get on the ball and pass it, but they just didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Now Martin O'Neill did lament the loss of Robbie Keane. He said he'd love to work with the 27-year-old Robbie Keane. And while he is a huge loss, he was a proven goal scorer, an out-and-out goal scorer, and we don't have one at the moment. I would suggest that there's no point in whinging about that because he's gone. What we can be very sad about and feel aggrieved by is Seamus Coleman. And I don't mean to disrespect Cyrus Christie, but if Coleman had got into those positions that Christie did last night, his through ball and his final ball would have been better. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. And he even created, I think he actually scored a goal coming in from that side uh, during the, the campaign. And Definitely, when we get in, and we did seem to keep getting in down that side, down the right side. Now I say getting in, like a, a better pass or a more yeah. direct one run by by Christie would have been more beneficial for us. And he, he wasted a lot again. He he could inside a couple of shots, and his crossing wasn't really beating the first man. And we did get into positions, and yeah, you don't it like every team would love to have James Coleman playing, but he was particularly missed last night. And even then, the goal, I know 
it wasn't it was from that area the pitch like yeah. uh, we got caught on yeah, that side a couple caught. of times now in fairness it was it was John Walters tracking back but uh, even going back to George the goal came on that side of the pitch as well so you just don't know what sort of well obviously he has a massive influence and he's such a good player going forward he, he we definitely missed him going that way as well okay. final one on Ireland do we have any chance do you think we'll beat Moldova at home and then maybe sneak a result away against Wales it's it's just like the kind of thing we do yeah I <laughs> I do think we have a chance. Like you would expect us to beat Moldova, and again yeah. going back back to Wales, Wales are doing all right, but they they have a tendency to to drop points as well. So if you go into the last game needing to beat Wales to get second, that doesn't necessarily, by looks, things mean that you're going to be in the playoffs either. Yeah, there's still a, a big chance that our group could be the one that misses out. And even then, I just heard today that the uh, playoffs are going to be seeded. So mm-hmm. you'd be you could it's going to be a, a really really yeah. tough tough tie. Like if you. If you ask me now, do you think Ireland will be going to Russia? I'd say no. If is there a chance that we could get into the, in, come second in the group, say rather than even second in the playoffs? I think there's a, there is a chance. Okay, let's talk League of Ireland because, funnily enough, that's what this podcast is all about. We are in Kevin's kitchen. Kevin has even turned off the fridge, so the sound is a little bit better. Kevin's kitchen, as you may be aware, if you were listening last week, is a kitchen of legends. Kevin, built by a legend, a League of Ireland legend. Yeah, Mick Bourne did. <laughs> Most of the house, really. We we sort of did it up when we moved there. Mick did it. Fred Davis painted the whole house. So, yeah, there's a bit of League of Ireland I can sense the history from the walls here. It's amazing. Um, Right, let's talk about Shamrock Rovers against Cork City. Shamrock Rovers beating Cork City 3-1 in Tala. Um, This last period of days just keeps kicking me. It started on Friday with that defeat. I said, okay, that's grand. I have an All-Ireland final to look forward to. Lost that, go with a better team, no complaints. Then I said, okay, Tuesday, you know, Ireland, the boys in green, they'll pick me up with a win or a draw or spirited display. And while there was a bit of spirit in the display, ultimately we weren't good enough. And I'm seeing a lot of people talking positively about the display last night. It was better than Georgia. That's where it ends. I mean, let's not get carried away. Anyway, let's go back to the start of a fairly miserable five, six days for me. Because that's what it's all about. Cork City losing to Shamrock Rovers. But by the sounds of it, deservedly so. I didn't get to see the game you did. Yeah, very much so. Um, Rovers Rovers did did very well. But my overriding thought was that Cork were so bad. And like I, even when we spoke about people mm. criticising Cork, and, and a little bit even ourselves over the last couple of weeks, but I, I hadn't done it so far, but I just thought they were so, so poor on Friday. I'm not trying to take anything away from Shamrock Rovers. They went out, played really well. Yeah. Well, of course they played well. It was their cup final. It was Cork's cup final, wasn't it? No, it was their cup final. Oh, right. Well, they won yeah. it, so they they des- and, and deservedly so. Um, Rovers have seen had a much better tempo to to them. They were uh, they looked solid at the back. Ronan Finn ran the show in, in the middle. Yeah. Young Aaron Boulder came in, 17. Small little lad, looks like yeah. a baby and. Was very very good. I would. He's a kind of a speed speedy winger, isn't he? We no, got a trick or two play, in him. He has a trick or two inside, but he yeah. played. He, he was playing in the middle, okay. and and he actually he played against his, his very first game. I think was against Longford at the yeah. the last game of last season, and he played. And we were looking at him, thinking, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Like because again, he would have played against you guys as well in the EA Sports Cup, wouldn't he? Um, this year, I think. Uh, Rovers have so many young players and good young players. I often confuse them. Last year, I think. Okay. I, I think you. I'm wrong and you're trying to not drop me in it. I appreciate that. Anyway, I, I quite clearly have no clue about this kid, but I've heard about him. Tell me more about him because you have seen him and I think I have, but can't remember exactly when. You, you might I have, seen him, have seen him somewhere. You would have seen him playing for Ireland when the, the European Championships when they were on at the Under-17 Championships. Sure, I watched on, those. On Eurosport, I'm sure you do. 
Um, oh, those I actually did watch. Well, there yeah. you go. Well, that's probably where he, where he is. No, but like, um, really, really exciting young player. Not afraid to mix. Like for he's a small little lad, but he was left a few tackles in as well. And, yeah, yeah. But again, go back to to the running of the show. He was good on the ball himself and and Ronan Finn McAllister. They had Connolly and Mila on the sort of on the sides of the of of those three and Shaw uh, was very good up up top and they were just I said it last week I fancied them to get toward and, and looking at them there I, I would go along with that I know Derry hadn't hadn't played so and they have a game in hand but I still think that Rovers are in the ascendancy it's a big month for them like they've the quarter final of the cup on at the, this weekend the league that's cup. their cup quarter final yeah it is yeah it's blue belt um, it's actually blue belt's home game they're playing it in Tala Um they have the League Cup uh, final against Dundalk. Yeah. And then that is also their cup final. Literally a cup final. Yeah. And then they have, obviously, the, the league game to try and finish third. So I think it, it, it could this month could could really tell it whether it's going to be, a, 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 you could say, an exceptional season for Shamrock Rovers or just maybe like just sneak into Europe through the, through the back door with the cup final or whatever league. So. We have spoken an awful lot about Shamrock Rovers in the last couple of weeks, just given the nature of the games they've been in. And we've spoken positively about them, and rightfully so, in the job that Stephen Bradley is doing. I think he's yeah. he's doing a really good job. Um, but what about Cork City? What you mentioned? What Rovers did right? What did City do wrong? Why didn't they counteract? Why couldn't they get moving? What talk to us about the setup and how it all went? They just didn't seem like cliches now. They just didn't seem up for it for whatever. I, I, they're so close to the line, and they. they they're they're gonna get over it. Like I mean, they're not gonna they're gonna win one or two of them at least. Are they? Well, they're in terrible form. They are in really. We're in terrible form. form. Yeah, yeah. No, they are in in really bad form. They're not scoring goals. Yeah. They got a, a goal, a, a decent enough goal the other night. But this is when they were they were well behind. And Rovers could have went and, and won it by more. Yeah. I I thought. Um, they looked sloppy enough at the back. They weren't. As I said, Shaw was probably dominating the two centre halves. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, if it was just a matter of they're not scoring goals and creating goals, you'd say that's purely down to Shawnee not being there anymore. And while, of course, that's an issue, he provides an outlet. It sounds like, you know, at the back, what? Yeah, yeah, they're conceding way too many. And even, I mean, Ronan Finn's goal was probably 25 yards out, and no one went to press the ball, even close quick enough. And then it ends up taking a deflection off Alan Bennett. Mm. I suppose it was unlucky for McNulty in in, in that sense. But nobody had the urgency Mm. to go out and press press the ball and try and stop because Ronan Finn nine times out of ten when he's in those positions shoots and it was on his it was on his weaker foot he was still able to shift it and, and get the shot away. Yeah. Um. They've even like even the third goal which was the I suppose was a killer. Again it was Ronan Finn down the right in got a pass from Simon Madden down the right side and was able to get the ball torn keep going keep going with the ball keep going nobody yeah. pressed him Ryan Delaney should have went and pressed him. He was able to pull a ball back. Uh, Michael O'Connor made a good run and a decent finish, but he shouldn't have been able to get the ball in the foot, or at least should have been put under some some pressure. And for me, that we know Cork are, are good players, and, and and obviously they've yeah. been exceptional for the vast majority of the season. But it looks like they're just gonna they could win the league by yeah. 15 points, and, and we'll say they limped over the line, which sounds ridiculous in itself yeah. because they were they were so good. But all of that work that was done previously, like if if there had been longer left in the season, you could, there's a possibility that you could see it going up, going uh, a bit closer. But like yeah. the reality is, it's not, and they've done their work. And as I said last week, I genuinely and I believe that the best bit of business they did all year was keeping Sean McGuire for as long as they did. Yeah, they've Longford in the cup away this Saturday night. They could do with a 
confidence boosting win that's actually a really strange thing to say about a team who are you have the table in front of you how many points are they ahead in the league okay they're whatever they are ahead in the league and still they look like they're suffering with confidence have you ever been part of a team like that who had a big lead or a team that just had a wobble and what are your memories of it I don't I certainly don't remember being they're 14 points clear by the way they're uh, I certainly don't remember being that far ahead going into it. Like, couldn't have just shown me the table. And well, like, I to couldn't you had to take the credit yourself, had to take the well, line. Classic Kev, classic Kev. Couldn't have just, off mic, just show me the table and go, here you go. But no, you had to take the credit. Classic Kev. I, I, your your ex-teammates warned me this would happen. Anyway, go on. What was I saying? Yeah, I don't remember being this far ahead. I think you might have. No, I even three times I don't remember it was last couple of games maybe like you know I've never I haven't seen a, a, a league like this before like that they're, yeah. that they're, they were so far ahead and to be able to lose the last few or the last few games that they did and still be so far ahead probably says as much about the rest of the league how that obviously Dundalk dropped off this year Rovers aren't close enough to, to that level but yeah. it, it more shows how good Cork were to give them the credit that they gen- and, and to win the league they genuinely deserve all the credit in the world it's just the last couple of months to sort of uh, colour that a little bit. Just before we wrap up with you and hear from Robbie Benson, I want to talk to you about the First Division because it's all very interesting. Cove have a chance, three games to go, four points behind Waterford, and the last game is against Waterford. Now, before we talk about football, there are things in life that are far more important than football. We didn't mention it last week. It was very remiss of me not to mention it. Completely my own fault. My sympathies to Stephen and to David for the loss of, of their father, Paddy, who in his own right, yeah. is a League of Ireland legend. And the Henderson family, the clan as I'll call them, they're kind of like a, they're League of Ireland stalwarts. They're Irish footballing stalwarts, not just League of Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And really the biggest goalkeeping family in, probably in the world, I'd say. But the, yeah, I, I, I was on to Stephen actually when I, when I saw the news and yeah, it was terrible. And I, I see the, uh, obviously didn't know the father, but the, the reaction that it's gotten mm-hmm. and the, the stuff that I've seen even on, on Twitter and stuff and from uh, towards Stephen and, and Dave obviously shows how highly uh, he was held in regard. Yeah. Stephen actually put out a tweet after their win last weekend. The win tonight, nothing to do with me. Thank these staff, thank these players. I think he's being overly modest there. If you're the manager, then you know you do have to thank your. Then you do have to take some credit. Um, but. But yeah, they're still in there, five points behind rather than four at the moment. Thanks for showing me the table there, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The good players take stuff on board and they don't make the same mistake twice. But anyway, five points behind Kovar, but with three games to go. Waterford with the draw last weekend, wasn't it, against Shelburne? Yeah. Um, So there's a slight chance something could happen there. If you're Waterford, you're kind of looking nervously over your shoulder. Yeah, and, and we've probably been guilty of it ourselves saying, yeah, it's, it's done and we done. actually said it to Stephen when he was on mm. that's it done good luck yeah but I, he was like yeah yeah you just never know and yeah. I suppose that's the message you had to give the players and we always said I said it from the start of the season in the first division and I was actually I was involved with it myself Waterford weren't going to be Limerick like yeah. like we all knew at the start of last season that Limerick were going to absolutely blitz it because of the players and, and the signings and the, they had more or less the same team that had won probably ten of their last fifteen games in in the in the Premier League the year before they went down to the playoffs. But we we sort of the Waterford project was was a bit new. There was a lot of new players coming in. They were from from early. On, I mean, they lost their first game to Athlone. If you go back to that yeah. far, so from very early on, it was clear that 
wasn't going to be an absolute blitz, but they did get a good lead and, and they were always going to be up there and probably winning it. And looking at it, they probably still will, but three games to go, five points. As you say, they play each other on the last game. Like If Cove could just keep battering on and, and win their, if they win the next two and then to go into that, like, I don't know what we're going to do in the meantime, but like if they could go into that last game with a chance of going and winning the title, it would be great for the fourth division yeah. as well to have because and and Stephen spoke about it himself. There was the big crowds that they got and stuff for the the playoff towards the end of the season last year. It would be big to have a, a sense of occasion because we're not going to have it in the Premier Division. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah, 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 look, I know, yeah, but yeah. I think it would be great for the for the first division, and it'd be it'd be great for Cove to be because like yeah. be bright. And we spoke about this rightly or wrongly. There's no playoffs this year. And it would, wrongly, wrong. it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was just trying to be politically correct there. But yeah, yeah. Uh, well, someone wants an FAI job. Yeah, well, look, they're giving them out. Um, <laughs> there, might there might be one coming up soon. Enough. Um, oh no, 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 snap! No, 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 no my joke. Um, Evil Kev shows his colours once again. I don't think I'm qualified to, to take that role, but uh, I think it would be it would be great for the first division if, if it could go to the to the final day and be a big sense of occasion like that for the, for the last game. Cove have done exceptionally well this year mm-hmm. again we spoke to Stephen and, and about them about the budget and stuff compared to the likes of Waterford so to be even in with a, a shout at this stage to go is great but you just you, you just never yeah. know okay for now Kevin thank you very much let's hear from Robbie Benson Dundalk up against Drogheda in the FAI Cup this weekend form goes out the window in the cup and money messing Dundalk are probably going to go through that tough season for Drogheda I don't mean to disrespect them but hard to see Drogheda get anywhere near them considering as well the form that Dundalk are in I've spoken to Robbie about their aims for the rest of the season obviously they've got two cup competitions to fight for the EA Sports Cup final coming up um, in just over a week and obviously they've got the cup quarter final this week they're 14 points behind Cork City but Cork City are beginning to falter so I asked them as well is there any chance that they could do a fourth league title in a row the answer is probably not. But he did engage. Anyway, here is Robbie Benson speaking to me. We met up during the week for a chat. Robbie Benson, we'll start with an open-ended question. How would you assess Dundalk's season so far? Or is it kind of two seasons and one because it was a maybe bumpy start, but you've been in very good form since? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. We kind of got off to a slow start in the league with um, the amount of changes we had in personnel this year. And losing the quality that we did, it was probably always going to take us time to get up to speed. But ever since the break, really, um, you know, we've really hit top form and in, in Europe. And you know, we went close in Europe and in the league. We've been we've been close to 100%. And still in the two cups, that you know, if we win the two of them, you know, you look back in the season and haven't been a good one. The European thing, obviously, when you don't match what you've done before, maybe it's a disappointment. But what I would say is that you can still take an awful lot out of it. I mean, you still went toe-to-toe with the incredible European entity, and we've seen since how good Rosenberg are, and you were the lick of paint away from beating them. So do you kind of retrospectively take a lot of pride in that and look at it as an achievement? I know you're winners, I know you wanted to get through, I know you're disappointed you didn't, but you must look and go, actually, you know, we're still a good team, we're still a good club because they out rank, resource, everything Dundalk, but still, you came very close. Yeah, I suppose after after the game, the when you come off the pitch, you're, you're going to be disappointed, but as you said, when you look back, 
you know, it's we didn't disgrace ourselves and no, like we the first leg we we were we were by far the better team in in my opinion and I think the most disappointing thing from that was the goals we we gave away were were quite soft and um, you know if you give away goals from set pieces it's still kind of it's the one time you're equal with the oppositions at a set piece and they can't really outplay you so to to give away a goal and right before half time in both legs was was the was the downfall of us and that was disappointing but as you said um, Rosemary qualified for the group stage of the Europa League having beaten last year's runners up so yeah. um, it just shows the level that they're at and we weren't too far away from ourselves but I suppose going on to next year it'll, it'll give us confidence to, to that we can compete at that level again and rather than dragging you on it seemed or rather, rather than dragging you down it seems to have spurred you on domestically I mean you've been in very good form since yeah, I think when you have to raise your game to the level required to compete in Europe, you you bring that home. We found that last year when we had so many games towards the end of the year that you know everyone was kind of just kind of in the zone when when they were preparing, and you know we we went on a good run after Europe last year in the league and did the same this year. I think we've we've conceded three goals domestically and scored forty odds. So um, yeah, we're really hitting top form, and uh, hopefully we can bring that into this Friday. And, in the quarterfinal of the cup. Yeah, it's a big local derby coming up. You have gelled as a team as well, and it was always going to be difficult given the guys that you lost, and even those who have come in who are very talented, it was always going to take them time to settle, and even guys who were already there who were now getting more game time. It just takes time, doesn't it? And I guess Cork City go off on this freak run, which may never happen any club again, and that kind of skews it, that knocks you out of the title race, well, maybe up until last week anyway. And that must have been kind of hard at that time for all you guys to get used to each other, to see this happening. Did it drain the confidence a bit and how did you get it back? Yeah, I suppose it's difficult. Even if we had been you know, playing to the level that we were capable of at the start of the year, we'd probably still have been behind Cork coming into mm-hmm. the break, the run they had been on. So, um, yeah, it's, it's this point when you're not going well, but the lads that have come in and I think the... You know, we lost two international players. Yeah. You know, it just shows the difference. And Cork have done the same, or I'm sure Sean McGuire will become an international player in the near future. So, yeah. you know, it it definitely does impact when you know there's not a lot of players that play in the league that were at that level in the last 15 or 20 years. So, that's going to have its effect. But the lads have come in, Nicholas Venland and Michael Duffy to replace the two lads that left have probably been our best players over the last while. So, um, that that is a big help. And but I think everyone. We missed a few at the weekend against Pats through injury, myself included, and some of the lads who came in that hadn't played much over the last while have been were two were a couple of better performers on the night. So um, yeah, we have the squad to cope now with the with the demands coming into the the end of the season. And this is this time of the year that you want to be peaking. It's just a pity that in the league but we were so far behind. Ah, but Cork City have hit a few bumps on the road. Is there any thought in the back of your mind, maybe? Just maybe if we keep winning and their form, I can tell by the smile on your face, you think maybe not, and their form keeps going the way it is, maybe, just maybe. Look, there's a slim possibility, but it's nothing that we, it's really out of our control. And um, It's kind of nice though that all the pressure is on them, isn't it? I mean, you can just keep doing what you're doing and people are going to keep focusing on them at the moment. Yeah, well, they were yours, not mine. But um, <laughs> and, and I'm a Cork City fan, so they were hard words to say. Yeah, look, we just need to 
you know keep performing as you said yeah. like every week that we can just go about our business and we've done that well yeah. over the last while so um yeah we'll see where it goes you two the cup for the next two cups in the next two weeks so we a little bit of a break from the league so um yeah hopefully we can get into the semi-final which will be a big day and then yeah sports cup final the following week against rover will be will be a very big game yeah look even if cork city win the league there's still two cups for you to fight for the ea sports cup final you're in and obviously there's the fai cup do, do you have to win silverware for it to be a good season given the standards you have set yourselves um, yeah, it's, I suppose if you told us at the start of the year that we, we, we wouldn't have any anything to show for our efforts this year, we'd, we would have been very disappointed. So, um, you know, we set the, we put that pressure on ourselves as well that we want to win every competition that we enter. And there's also Leinster Senior Cup that we're in the semi-final of as well. So, um, yeah, at the start of the year, I suppose you look at the your targets for the year. The main one is to win the league. and. Um, you know, you can be a bit clouded into thinking it's a bad season at the end if you haven't won, but you yeah. still have two cups. You know, that's yeah. what we can end up at the end of the year, and if that's the case, that's a that's a good season in anyone's book. Talk to me about being a professional footballer in Ireland, because even if you're successful, it's a pretty precarious job. So I noticed with Dundalk, a lot of you have degrees, a lot of you are very well, you know, educated. A lot of you could go and do something else if you wanted to or needed to. I know that's the case with you. So, is that good to have at the back of your mind that you know you kind of, it's it's not while professional while football is is your life probably, it's not the be all and end all and it has to work or kind of or you're in a spot of bother. Yeah, I guess you don't have to worry so much about your future. Um, that you know that you know when when football is finished, you'll have you'll have a job to to go to hopefully but um, at the same time I remember when I signed with Dundalk um, I was sitting talking to Stephen Kenny across the table and I was telling him the exact same thing you know it's great that I've this is my time now to 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 become a footballer and that I always have that to fall back on and he said to me you know hold on a second uh, I don't want you thinking like that this is your yeah this is your life now. this is your life now yeah. you have nothing to fall back on this is what you're doing and that's it and I don't want you thinking about anything else which yeah. is something I never um, I never thought about because I was always of the other mindset but it really put a, a thought in my head and it just kind of shows the kind of uh, manager he is and the first bit of um, his uh, his his mindset that yeah. I kind of experienced and it, it was a it was a it was a good one. And were, were you a full time footballer when you signed, or were you working? What was your situation? No, so I um I was in college for four years in UCD, and I was on scholarship there. And um when I finished, I decided to to do a master's in actuarial science. Yeah. So um, I stayed one more year, um and that was my background. So I'd been just playing part time and in college doing juggling both, and it makes a big difference. I found since I've put all my efforts into being a footballer that uh, you know you really see the rewards when you're concentrating on you can concentrate on all aspects your gym work your nutrition your rest that um, probably stuff that I might have neglected in the past Was that hard to get used to that to being a full-time professional athlete because I guess if you're playing part-time and you're passing the chipper and you're starving you might think you know what I'm part-time I have to have a life whereas if you're an athlete you just don't have that whereas if you're a full-time athlete I should say you maybe just don't have that you have to live like a full-time professional athlete Yeah I guess so Um, it it comes down to your mentality though and if you're 
I'm sure there's a lot of full-time athletes that wouldn't be the most driven either, and they don't uh, they don't live their lives as well as some part-time athletes. So it's not just you know you're in box A or box B, but yeah. I moved up to Dundalk and I was thrown in with the lads who had been there, and you know the players themselves they look after themselves really well and. It was easy to um, to kind of follow in their footsteps and you know take me under their wing and, and bring me along. So I was very grateful for that. Environment is important, and it's kind of one of the reasons mm-hmm. we're here today at the Sport Ireland campus is because they're trying to create a fitness environment for families. And I guess you know, being in that Dundalk environment, if you're around good people doing the right things, that's important. You'll probably do the right things yourself. And I guess it's the same at a family level as it is professionally. Yeah, um, you know it's. As you said, the the environment is important that you're in, and if you know your schoolmates or your family aren't aren't um, that sports oriented, it might be a bit a little bit difficult to you know get out and experience things that you can that you can do. But it just shows that the campus here is you know is of you know high caliber, and the message today is that it's not just for you know full-time athletes. It's you know anyone can can come down and get involved and you know it's a great um, event that's going to be on Sunday week. And are you aware of the positive effect you have on kids when you do what you do with Dundalk? I mean last year you obviously drew attention from the sports media, even the sports media that would normally follow a League of Ireland team, you kind of jumped off the sports pages into news and that creates a positive effect. Kids want to be the next Robbie Benson, they want to be the next Andy Boyle, they want to be the next Daryl Horgan David McMillan etc. Like I know your focus is to win games and to, and to do your job for Dundalk, but a byproduct of that is creating a good environment and being an influence. Yeah, um, I suppose I lived in I've lived in the dock now the last eighteen months, and um, you see a lot of kids in you know Dundalk jerseys going around, which is which is refreshing to see rather than yeah. you know the typical you know English team jersey. So that's important, and not only kids but adults alike are would. When they bump into you, they say how how good it's been for the the community up there, and it's really um, it's really refreshing to see that you can impact people's lives like that. And you know, we just think we're we're playing football on a Friday night, but it's, it means a lot more to a lot of people. Robbie, well done. Thank you. Thank you. The always interesting Robbie Benson speaking to me at the Sport Ireland National Campus Dundalk up against Drogheda in the cup this weekend. Because of the cup, it means there's no first division. I don't think there's any Premier League games either. So it's a weird one if you're those teams who aren't in the cup, especially if you're the nervy ones biting your nails in the relegation battle. You just want to get going again, especially if you've been knocked out. Like St. Pat's duffed 6-0 by Dundalk. I know it was the cup. I know that as it stands, they look the more comfortable of those teams battling relegation. But could that set them back? Could that have any bearing for the rest of the season, that kind of hammering? Yeah, look, and, and I think you said it's, uh, the fact that they haven't, they've no game, I don't think, for, since from that Dundalk game for three weeks, which would, like, you know, they probably after getting beaten so badly, they want to get back on the horse as quick as possible, but maybe they, they might get a, the, you know, they have a couple of lads out injured as well, so they might get them back. Yeah. The whole, it, it was a bad result. They were, went down to 10 men, which against Dundalk is a, is, a, is a really hard thing to recover from because they, yeah. they, they moved the, the Serbians made it look easy going down to 10. Yeah, well, I was listening to, to Joe, Joe and Doe last night thought it was easier to play with 10 men or defend with 10 men, so maybe maybe uh, yeah. that's what, maybe Serbia found that the, the right thing to do. But 
Going back to Pats and Dundalk, I think uh, the sending off, I said, of Birmingham on the penalty really set them back. They got two goals. They got a goal right on the stroke at halftime against Dundalk as well. Dundalk, really, really good. Good to see Dylan Connolly starting to get going again and seem to be to be uh, very impressive from the. I only saw the highlights, but it's it's unsurprising, isn't it? Given like what we've just heard from Robbie Benson that Dylan Connolly is playing well because Robbie talked about how you know Stephen can make you a better player. Yeah, and it's been proven. Like we spoke about this before about how many players he's made he's made uh, better technically, physically, everything. The whole tactically, everything. Like he seems to be able to get them, and I, I think Dylan will go on and do well. But back to Pat's. Yeah, look, looking at it, like I mean, there's there's really six teams in this. Like I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it as the, after the cup weekend. But yeah. it's a it's a massive uh, couple of months for the likes of you go Pats, Limerick, the whole lot of them. Finn Harps, the three that are there in the positions at the moment. So it's it's, it's going to be a, a real rat race to see who gets out of it, and it'll be certainly very interesting. It's the only interesting thing, if, and that that is the, about the three teams going down. Is that they like, get still all up in the air? There's no draw. Are are gone? We we'll all accept that, but out of the other two spots and it could be two from any five well just before we leave Kevin's kitchen of honesty um, I want to get to one particular tweet We well I put out a tweet earlier on saying we were recording and if anyone had any questions they could send them in to us Gerard Rowe has sent one I assume that's Gerard Rowe that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, ask him if he was one of the breakaway crew in Marbella when Shells had a team night out Smiley face, emoticon, well, actually, a winky face, sorry. He might tell you the story of the only man to be caught. So, Jero asking about a breakaway crew in Marbella. I assume when you played with Shells, Kevin, and you being the only man to get caught. Tell us more. And this is your kitchen. This is Kev's kitchen. It's the place for confessions, the place for honesty. Well, I think, yeah, I do know what he's talking about. Obviously, we used to. Go to it was back in the, the days when we used to go to Marbella for pre season. So wow. I think yeah, we went three times I think. Why did Shells go bust again? Yeah, I know, yeah. Well we weren't the only ones that was there with Longford as well. Um I think Longford? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Cork and Drada and the, the likes. I think it was the teams that, that uh, I don't know how they got it. The, the teams that had more money yeah. than they knew what to do with or yeah. thought they had but actually didn't. That's, That's why, yeah. Separate 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 today. issue. Um I don't know whether I should be telling this story because like, I'm still hoping to have a managerial career again at some stage, but can't be preaching to players about behaviour. But anyway, we were. I was one of these things, I think. We were allowed out for a little while and then Pat would say, come home and you'd have to get back by a certain time. But So we all went back and went to bed and then we would tend to go back out again hope of course you would in, well that's like and look Bermbeo wasn't the only time we did, we did we did it plenty of times um, and we actually had a security fella big Derek with us that was supposed to be looking after us or whatever but he was out on the prowl looking for people we obviously was a, there was whispers that maybe that there was a, more or less the whole team went back out again and I think we were in, I think my recollection is a bit hazy because I said we were out for a while mm-hmm. before we came home Um I think we were in an underground car park and hiding <laughs> on the ground, rolling oh, around, playing, com- playing commando and stuff and hiding between cars and under cars. But anyway, we said we'd make a run for it and somehow I think Pat, as bad now as his eyesight was, I think he just got got the laser surgery done and I obviously had, I think I, I must have had a, a fairly distinctive run, but he was able to spot me out of whatever, 18 lads running, that it was definitely me because he, he recognised my, uh, <laughs> my my run so yeah I think uh, I think that's what Butter's referring to alright 
But as I said, it wasn't the, the fourth time and mm-hmm. we did it another couple of times and it didn't really do us any harm. We, we did okay. Well, that's fair enough. What was the punishment? I think Eamon, I think it was the time when Eamon Collins was there. I, I We used to do this sprint test and we we definitely we did it the next morning anyway. And it was a it was a real uh, long buster. It was it was the one that we hated doing the most. And I remember him setting it up as we were training, and everyone said, "Oh yeah, yeah." I think I probably got to to blame for because I was the one that that, that got caught. But uh, yeah. ah, look, it was all fun and fun and games, and we we got through the test. And as I said, we probably went on to win the league last year, so it was probably all right in the end. Jokes aside, I'm sure managers they, they kind of know what happens and they know they have to stop it, but they're kind of okay with it because by the sounds of it, it built up a bond. Oh, definitely, yeah. And <laughs> there's some managers that would have been org- organising trips. I was on a trip to my first pre-season trip with Shells was a week in Cyprus. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I probably can't really hide who it is here, but a manager that ends up taking over the team was one of the main instigators in, in organising a night out that, that was there. McKeely was the manager, had said no to. Now, I actually that night stayed in my room with... Jim Gannon and Tony McCarthy and we stayed in and watched, watched James Bond Octopus he was on that too I remember it that well wow. so you have a better rec- recollection of that night because yeah. I, I, I stayed in but uh, yeah like managers go then and I do it myself as I said when, when you're a manager you, you, you try to do all the right things and preach all the right things but like uh, when you're when you're a player sometimes you do maybe like to bend the rules a little bit but it yeah. did and as you're going back to your point it does no harm to have that bit of togetherness as well like with, yeah. with the lads and, and Something I don't think that the players do as much now, and it's not. I'm not trying to harp back to a drinking culture. It wasn't. I mean, we were there for for a week, and it wasn't a drink touch like or anything like that. It wasn't as if we were out drinking all the time. It was just, as I said, getting the lads together and and even even the the, the things like I remember Stewie Jordan, Stewie Bourne jumping out a window in Lille after him to, to go out to pick up a few drinks. So it was just to go out to pick up what pick up a few drinks that a, a, a delivery fellow was delivering to the hotel, like mad stuff. But it was the it was it was even those things sort of bonded like a little bit. Of, it was a fun and games because sometimes you're away for a week and, and there's very little to do and you focus, you play your match and we did our work as well as if we were taking the piss. Yeah, like yeah, we, were, yeah. we were doing our work, but uh, yeah, it kept us and as I said, that group of players like you would still be fairly close, you know, and yeah. it has as much to do with, with obviously winning stuff and, as well. But like little yeah. things like that don't uh, do any harm. I don't think the odd time. That conversation kind of sparks an interesting and I suppose important question. Was Roger more the best bond? Um, yeah, for me probably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. If that's the the main issue you take out of that story, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, I think he was. Okay, that's it from Kevin's kitchen, and we've got honesty in Kevin's kitchen. The goldfish has just given a nod of approval there. I think he re- really appreciates no. your honesty. Two goldfish, and a very tropical looking. What is that other goldfish? That's not a goldfish. That's a tropical looking fish. What is that? Um, well, the gold one is called Goldie and the other one is wow. the colourful one is called you footballers are really well, good with the nicknames aren't if you, you? <laughs> there wasn't my choice we did have okay. a, a black one called Ginger but she pa- sadly passed away oh. so we got Destiny instead so uh, yeah they're doing alright yeah Okay, well, the destiny moment of honesty has been brought to you by Kevin's Fish in Kevin's Kitchen. That's it for this week. Thanks for sending in that question, Gerard Rowe. You certainly um, gave us something different this week. So former teammates, by all means, keep those questions rolling in. How can we send uh, abuse to you, Kev? It's at kevdoc5. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. From Kevin's Kitchen, it is goodbye.